Hi and welcome. Today on the podcast, we're continuing with part two of my interview swap with fellow Aussie artist Laura Horn. If you didn't catch last week's episode, then you've missed the first half of this super rich conversation that got so long and so good that we split it into two parts. I really hope that you enjoy this chat about all things art, art biz, life, kids and creative dreams as much as I enjoyed having it with the gorgeous Laura. Please do make sure that you go and check Laura out on her website, Instagram and podcast that are all called Laura Horn Art. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, this is Susan Nellicott and welcome to the Studio Insider Art Podcast. In these episodes, I throw open the doors to my art studio practice and how I run my business as a professional artist. Whether it be candid insider chats with my studio assistants, Laura and Steph, or interviews with other creatives, or answering listener questions, there is something here for every emerging artist. I hope my journey can help you feel a bit more at home in your own. So I've got a question for you. You've been in business for a few years now and you've had such incredible growth over the last couple of years and I'm interested to know how you've gone about it and how you've invested in different things to help grow it, like things like, you know, have you invested in advertising or because you've grown quite an amazing customer base now. Do you want to talk a little bit to that? Yeah, I can talk about that. It's it's an interesting question because – It does look like I've grown rapidly, but it has actually been quite a long time, I guess, behind the scenes. And I started painting about eight years ago. Fairly soon after I started, I began sharing regularly. And initially that was through like a blog and then on Instagram and things like that. So I've been putting, I guess, consistent almost daily effort in for quite a long time. And that's been a huge part of the growth of my business. And I haven't actually spent a lot or invested a lot in things like advertising. That's actually something I'm starting to look at, but not so much. It hasn't been a big part of the journey so far. Uh, but what have, what are the things that have helped? I guess doing something towards my business all the time and so spending time on the art but also on the business has been very important and I usually do this in a kind of like a kind of like a month by month basis so one month I'll be all about Pinterest and I'll focus in on that and I'll learn a few new strategies and I'll make sure I've got plenty of pins on my boards and I'll tidy them up and then I'll move on to something else and then the next month I'll be this month I'm going to work on my email list and Again, I'll listen to podcasts related to that particular topic and I won't necessarily listen to other podcasts. So I I hone in on a subject and that's kind of like a theme of the month. So I'm always... That's really smart. Yeah. That's actually a really smart (laughs) approach. Yeah, I like it a lot. So at the moment I'm interested in Facebook advertising and I'm only dipping my toe in it a little bit. It's something I need to learn a whole lot more about. So I'll actually go out and I'll search for a few podcasts to listen to, maybe something, a short tutorial I can watch or something on YouTube and I'll skill myself in that particular area and all the tweaks that I do that month will be around that topic and then I'll move on to something else. And a while back I had a month where I was interested in improving the podcast 
and I invested in a course and we changed up the podcast intro and logo and we rebuilt the podcasting page. So I work in themes and that's how I keep things growing all the time and keep myself educated about different aspects of the business. So that's one side of it. And the other side is just continuing to put yourself out there and trying out different things. So it might be IGTV or I ran a vlog for a while. You got to find your, I guess, the spots that you enjoy being on and that work well for you as far as getting, you know, new people, seeing your staff and bringing new people into your community. So I've always been a fan of communicating consistently. And for me at the moment, that looks like having a podcast once a week, sending out an email newsletter once a week, dropping into my community at least once a week. So I have these, I guess, markers that I have in place that I make sure that I do each week. And it's become kind of routine now. And it's, yeah, that that's pretty much what helps, I think. <laughs> Just Yeah, well, I mean, what a brilliantly simple formula that you give, you give one area, detailed focus for a month, and then you move on. And then over time, cycling through that, that's how the growth's happened. I love it because it's so, it's like, that's a pretty healthy way to grow. And for me, it, it feeds my desire to learn because I love finding a new little strategy or something like that. So (laughs) I get very excited about these sorts of things. So I do too. Yeah. It's, it's, I think (laughs) I have that same kind of curiosity of when I learn something, I, I really just enjoy learning actually. And can I just drop in there? How amazing is it what you can learn on YouTube? Yeah. And in podcasts and there's so much, yeah, there's so much good information out there. We're so lucky. Yeah. And you can actually learn how to do something pretty proficiently without even having invested in any kind of course, really. Absolutely. And most of, most of my learning has been through just, yeah, Google, (laughs) Google the topic and find some great resources. And I will say, I don't do it in a structured way. It's not like I have a calendar that says, you know, in January, I'm doing this in February, I'm doing that as far as my business focus, it comes back to what you were talking about, about what, what intuitively kind of comes up and Mm. what I feel inspired by that particular month. So it's not planned out, but I try and focus in on something. Once, once my interest has been peaked, then I'll, I'll go, you know, I'll sit with this for a few weeks and I'll, and I'll geek out over it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm very much, I'm built very much in the same way. I can't for, I can't stick to plans or calendars. I've tried them all and they just make me feel like I'm in jail. I have to follow my inspiration and my curiosity and allow things to unfold when I feel inspired to do so. I will say though, I'm built. (laughs) I will say though that I run the whole business off Trello. (laughs) Do you know Trello? Yes. Yeah, I actually use it. I don't think I use it to the degree that you do, but I do use it. I actually started using it because like, you talked about it and I was forever losing links. Like I I couldn't keep track of things and I, I do use it for um, keeping track of like, well, all of those research items actually that I grab off of the internet. I'm always copying links in there. Like I'll have a, a Squarespace um, board and I've got, you know, all the boards for all the things and then all the useful links in case I need to refer back to them. And also I keep inquiries from 
Instagram DMs there because, oh my goodness, they just disappear like a flash. Don't get and me. And then you don't know where that person goes. Don't get me started on started. Instagram DMs. <laughs> I am. Uh, oh, it's so crazy. Oh. And people ask really complex <laughs> questions on there. And I, so I do frequently ask people, look, can you please email me? Because I can't, I'm not like, you know, you know, people that can do the double handed typing on the phone. I can't do that. Like I'm, I'm 45. I'm just not built for it, right? Yeah, I'm <laughs> so, I'm, I'm an email girl too, so <laughs> I yeah. try and get people to email yeah. me. But yeah, I have pretty extensive Trello boards which do actually map out like the whole year and I have a big content calendar for the year and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, I do have that. It changes a lot, but that's why I love Trello because it's all drag and drop. So I can just move things around mm. and slot them into space. But I I do at the beginning of the year map out the whole year. So I have each month and what the key priorities are. So I, I guess I, I do a lot more planning than I used to. And, you know, all the like topics for the podcast and things like that are all in there and online course ideas and I have checklists for everything as well, which is very handy as your business starts to grow. So every time I have an online course, I have a big checklist that I go through. I have marketing checklists for the podcast and all sorts of things like that. So that oh, that's a good tip, actually, because it, it just kind of there are so many things that come with promoting an e-course. I should take I'll have to make a note of that. I'll create a checklist. That's a really good tip. Yeah, so I have a, a big checklist that I use that includes all the little things that you need to do and, you know, things to remember in Teachable, which I know. Um, I think, are you using Teachable? No. I am actually, yeah. yeah. I was kind of tossing up for a long time between Kajabi and Teachable and I ended up going with Teachable because it just made sense to me and I've made it a rule for myself to go with whatever technology feels like is the easiest for me because it's, it can totally stop me in my tracks when I find something very hard. And Teachable was very straightforward, so I have gone with it. Well, it's interesting you and say that. And I'm really pleased with it. It was easy to do. I'm on, it was easy to get it up. Because I'm on Teachable and I started thinking <clears> about moving over to Kajabi and then I ended up with the same outcome where I went, you know what, I know how it works. You're trying to like keep things simple mm. and not cause yourself more stress. Taking all your courses and migrating them over to a new platform is probably yes. not the thing you need to be doing right now. <laughs> yeah, and there are more. It is there are more limitations within Kajabi as well in terms of how many courses you can run on a certain plan. And I'd have done quite a few courses which are on Kajabi, which is probably part of the reason I felt drawn over there because they looked beautiful. But I actually glitched out a little bit, to be honest, on some of the videos and things and wasn't progressing, whereas I'd never had that problem with Teachable. I thought, mm, yeah. And at the end of the day, the um, one of the big deciding factors was I think on the – on so it, Kajabi is more expensive, um, but on the same sort of level of, uh, you know, monthly cost – you got you were limited, I think, to fifteen programs in Kajabi, whereas Teachable was unlimited. So that was a big decider too, because I don't know how many I'm going to want to create. And the other big factor for me also is, of course, the other thing that's happened in Australia with uh, the pandemic is our Aussie dollar has dived against other currencies. So suddenly, all these American platforms are a lot more expensive. So 
that had a big that was a big factor as well. There's a lot of things to think about as far as choosing which platform to run with. Mm. It's worth spending a bit of time and looking at all the different like the nitty gritty of it, like the details, because that can have quite a big impact, especially things like how many courses you can have. Because I'm just thinking now with myself, I have a lot of courses. So I, a platform that has the option to have unlimited courses is a pretty important thing for me. <laughs> so anyway, I want... Yeah, and no, I don't want that limitation either because it kind of affects how creatively I think in the future, you know, I kind of feel like, oh, am I using up one of my get out of jail free cards when I might want to save it for later. I don't want to have that kind of mindset. Do you know what I mean? So I wanted to ask you a question about your art because we've chatted a lot about business. I know. We're such <laughs> nerds. We are. <laughs> so I thought that we could we could chat a little bit about your art and your process. And one of the things I wanted to ask you, because it's quite different from my art, you use very, very bright saturated colors they always grab me when I'm in my feed and I see them and I wanted you to share a little bit if you don't mind about what you use and how you approach things in order to keep everything so bright and vivid in your art sure yeah happy to talk about color yeah (laughs) I will add though I have kind of two streams of my artwork and one is very very colorful and one is more muted because they satisfy different parts of my creative being so but the color is definitely kind of my my core I don't like using the term core product for art but it is into since we're talking business um that is the art that people gravitate to most and buy most so what the way that I do it is I use a lot of paint Um, I use a lot of golden acrylics. Golden is an American brand of acrylic paints and I use a lot of their fluid paint, particularly in my base layers, and I use a lot of it. And that, the reason I use uh, their brand is because it's very, that it has a very high pigment count. So that means that the particles of pigment that are in it in relation to the amount of fluid um, is very high. And in a lot of cheaper brands, what they're actually doing is filling the paint full of fillers and you don't have as high pigment count, which actually results in work that isn't as bright and impactful as um, what you're seeing on screen with my work because I'm using those very high quality, highly pigmented paints. Uh, and I also love to paint using complementary colors, so colors that are opposites on uh, the color wheel because when they bounce off each other, they give impact. So I have a lot of fun with that always in my art. I'm bouncing between those complementary colors. Uh, and what I do in subsequent layers of the paintings after I've done my first layers I usually switch to heavy bodied acrylics because they're more opaque so I'm not getting too much shine through of the color underneath Um, and that's part of how I maintain the vibrancy of the colors Uh, but it's hugely fun painting that way and it's hugely fun painting with really high quality paints even though it is a very expensive habit to have. (laughs) (laughs) I have to admit I only have a handful of golden paints I mostly use um, the Australian uh, Matisse brand. That's the main. Well, brand. I use a lot of those too, yeah. but uh, I tend to, I tend to, I'm, I'm using a lot more of them actually as time goes on. Interestingly, I, I'm loving um, 
some of the variations I'm getting away from some of the more traditional palettes that I've done using the Goldens. Uh, and, of course, they're made here in Australia, so... Uh, and they do a beautiful job of those Australian colours, don't they? Yeah, they do have some lovely pre-mixed colours that are handy to have and they're just gorgeous. <laughs> There's definitely a few there that I am I seem to always grab and gravitate towards that I might have to – I almost need to, like, break a few colour habits. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, it's fun to mix it up. That's actually what I've kind of been doing over the last year and a bit with Matisse. I'm getting more and more Matisse colours in my collection and I'm using them a lot. And I think they do some of those more subtle shades really beautifully, especially, like, um, in the pinks. There's some really beautiful pinks in their range and that I'm using a lot of at the moment. Yeah, I love, I love them all though. They're all good. They're all good for different things. What goldens do you have? I have, I think, I've got the Titan Mars pale, that pale pink colour. I really quite like that one. And then I have like an Enanthrodone blue, which I like. And I think I've got like a few like Quinacridone gold and green gold and a couple like that that I use from time to time. Uh, I do love the consistency of the golden paints. There's something very, especially the heavy bodied ones, like there's something very silky about them. So whenever I use... Yeah, they're really fi they're fine quality. They're a very nice paint and they're very different. The viscosities of their heavy bodied and their flow paints are different, quite different to got to the Matisse, I find. But I use them for different things like, yeah. as a result. I use a lot of the Matisse flow range so that they're a little... Yeah, I use that too. You know, a little easier to push around rather than the really thick, the thicker bodied ones that they have. And I also use the Matisse fluid paints. I like to have it all going yeah, on. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Got to have those excuses for a paint addiction. This podcast is brought to you by my new e-course, Painting as a Practice, Chapter 1. This course is all about establishing an art practice that is fun, fulfilling and nurtures your authentic style. You can check it out over at susannethercottestudio.com forward slash online dash classes for all the details. It's uh, interesting that you mentioned that you have sort of two different styles of art and you have sort of the very mm. bright, bold but then you also have some work that is more muted down. And I wanted to have a bit of a chat about maintaining a recognisable style, but also still having like freedom to experiment because I do feel like there is a lot of pressure to have a style these days and it can be almost like stop you in a way from developing and yes. expanding your practice. How do you feel yeah. about that? I I think it's important to create a way of having that scope and that space within your art practice and the way that you express your art business through your online identity and wherever else you're representing yourself to be able to be free to explore whatever takes your fancy. Mm. Uh not everything will end up there, but there needs to be, for me, I've deliberately tried to create a container for two very different types of art because there are times that I want to paint bright and there are times that I do not. And there are times that I do both at the same time. So at the moment, for example, I'm working on a lot of really bright commission work, 
but alongside that I'm working on a lot of watercolours, which has sort of been my my main painting practice through the whole pandemic period with really beautiful muted tones. And I've also been making my own watercolour paints from earth pigments. So it's an entirely different vibe, but I want to do it all. Mm. So I've, I've, I've struggled with that a bit and sought ways to do that within my website. I do sell more of the brighter coloured work than I do of the more muted tones, but I'm not going to let that be the reason that I stop creating one and letting it have a life of its own within my business because I feel like that why would I do that to myself? You know, you can always find a way to be able to express what needs to be expressed. You can, you're the, as a designer of a business, you can create containers so that it makes sense for people. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think mean? that's a very, that's a very important point about creating containers or collections or the way that you arrange things so that there is a flow to it all, but you can still yeah. have these different aspects because we all have different aspects to our personality. Yeah. And our, we're not just one thing. <laughs> so that's right. Yes. And my art for me is about expressing and healing and deeper parts of myself that goes beyond the business. And I'm not going to stop allowing that process to take place because I have to create a consistent brand because to me that just feels a little bit, it just feels a bit shallow and I believe that there's room within a brand for more than one story and actually that creates a richer story really if you're able to express it and help it make sense for people within the story of how you tell that story of your brand. I think as well, I think it is great when you have a few different aspects but then you go quite deep into each of them so that there is I agree. You know that depth to it. So you might have these more muted pieces but you have, you know, quite a lot of them and you share a bit of that and then you have the brighter pieces but you, people get to see deeper into those few things that you're you're spreading yourself across. Yeah. I like that. Totally. I, and I noticed you've been doing that really beautifully over the past little while. Like you went you had a big foray back into really colorful work a few weeks ago. Yes. And it was wonderful to see. Like I <laughs> love seeing artists go through their little phases and like cuz I do too and I think that's really the natural way of things and to to move with those different cycles of expression that come out of us as artists and honour those and honour the winding journey that it is because that's really what life's like, yeah, isn't it? It comes back to that honest expression, isn't it? Because at the end of the day, when I'm when so. I'm following artists and I'm on Instagram and things, I enjoy just getting an insight into what they're doing, what they're feeling. And I like all aspects of it, you know, the highs, the lows, yeah. the in-betweens, the I'm not really sure what I'm doing at the moment. That's what I relate to. So I yes. I feel that sharing your, your experience honestly is more important than having a really tight curated brand for sure. I do too. And I also really feel that as a teacher, it's our responsibility to show that and not pretend that it's all a linear thing because I think we're kind of encouraged to do that in some ways and I, I, I don't agree with it. I think as teachers, showing you vulnerability is so powerful for your students. Yeah, I couldn't agree more and that's one of the things that I always remind myself now because I sometimes I feel like I'm at a certain point where I should have should have it all figured out 
<laughs> you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, shouldn't I know what I'm doing now? <laughs> but <Yeah>. I don't. <laughs> and I go through all these phases, just like everyone else. I bounce around and, you know, one week I'm feeling really minimalistic. And then the next week I'm like, no, I want, I want color this week. And, and I remind myself to just be honest and it's fine. Like share, share what you're going through. And sometimes I just need that little reminder as well, you know, that it, it's. A, yeah. It, and I think you, you do a beautiful job of it. I always feel like you're very, you come across very honestly and transparently in your Instagram feed. I really enjoy your posts for that reason. Yeah. And I think I, like, I feel like I haven't had to go down that really curated path. Like it, it hasn't impacted upon my business in a negative way at all. Like if anything, it's been a good thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do too. And it's also taught me how to represent my um, artistic multiple personality disorder. <laughs> I'm not going to call it a disorder. I'm just going to call it multiple yes, personalities yeah. and say that's fine. But um, like, you know, that is something to navigate in a Instagram feed, like you want it to flow still. And so through the process of learning how to create a story there, I've kind of learned how to make my way with how do I share my full, the full scope of my creative story online. It's kind of helped me to figure it out how to create a visual thread through all of the different colors and phases of what I do. And I feel like I do a reasonable job of it, but it's been a good training ground. Well, I, I really enjoy seeing in your work, like I've loved seeing you go, get into the watercolours and how you you still get that sense of the, the nature that inspires you in your work across all the different things. And I love your mu more muted pieces as well. I really enjoy those. Oh, thank you. That's so nice to hear. I've been having a grand love affair with my new Daniel Smith watercolors. <laughs> they really are something else. You're part of the you're part of the reason they oh, went down yes, that road. Yes. So thank you. I absolutely um, love them. Ah, <laughs> uh, they're just gorgeous. But also making my own paints has been that's been a whole other journey that I I look forward to indulging in more because it brings me even closer to nature in my work. And yeah, that's super fun. Hey, I had a question about you with your creativity. If you could try something completely out of the box creatively, what would it be? Uh, well, you know what? I think that creatively I'd probably do something quite different from even painting. I have this sort of dream that I'd, I'd love to renovate an old property. I've always been really interested in interiors, old buildings. I love gardening. I'd like to do something in that realm at some point. So that's that's something I've oh, how beautiful. Yeah, that's something I've been chatting to Richie about recently actually. Is like, you know what, maybe maybe we could do that reno we've always talked about. So I think if I was gonna do something creatively outside the box, it would be around that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That really makes sense with how much you vibe with your interiors as well. Yeah. So that would kind of enable me to bring everything together, all the things that I like in the one one place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I can totally see that. Well, I think you'd like my house, Laura. It's really old. <laughs> I love I love your house when I see your beautiful um veranda out the front that sometimes you're painting yeah, on with your children and I see that and I'm like that's that's what I love. <laughs> yeah, when we moved here from Melbourne, 
that was it was like that was kind of the thing I wanted the really old house that I could really settle into for you know the forever house that I could settle into and really work with and because I do love creating little vignettes around the place and interiors and all of that stuff as well well that's actually becomes a big part of that brand that we're talking about doesn't it it's not just the art it's what's surrounding the art well, that's it. Kind of brings it alive in a different way. Yeah, and I think that's how you have that thread that connects everything. It's actually just you, like who you are as a person. And, it is, and your personality, the things you like, the the way that you move through life, what you share, the garden, the home, your children, all of that combines and paints a picture and a story that people get engaged and invested in. And that's probably been one of the biggest learnings for me over the past few years is that it's really about who you are as a person and and becoming confident in sharing sharing that with others in a way that people can relate to you. And those that don't, well then you're not you're not their person and that's fine. And that's and that's something that I I've realized is that be you and then the people that gravitate towards that they'll enjoy and you'll have a beautiful community and other people will go to other artists that they feel connected to and that's just the way it works. That's the perfect way for it to be because then you get to just be who you are and not feel pressured to be anything you're not because I know for me whenever I've gone down some kind of tangent that doesn't really feel like me that's when things go wrong or when I'm just miserable, you know, within the business. So I totally, I love what you just said then. I totally agree with that 100%. Just be us. I had one other question for you, which was around what's your favourite medium right now? Oh, my favourite medium right now is... Which is really cruel question to ask when you're creating a mixed media course, <laughs> which is kind of <laughs> well, why I wanted to be a bit cheeky and ask it. Yeah, so I'm creating a mixed media e-course at the moment because it's one of the things that I realised that I just love the most is having all sorts of different things to work with and finding out what happens when you try out supplies and layer them. And and even though I guess I'm... I'm sort of a little bit minimalistic too, so it's weird how those two things go together because I like to make specific choices about what I'm going to use. I like to have a colour palette in mind, a little bit of an intention with my art, create a bit of a container as I work. But I'm always exploring and trying new things. So as far as the medium though, in my latest work, I have been absolutely loving watercolour just like you mentioned before I have found that to be such a wonderful way to bring creativity into your life when you only have little short bursts of time uh, especially during the pandemic and everything that's been going on I've found I totally I completely relate to that it's been the one thing that I could I was able to actually slip in at the end of the day and um I'm running a new painting as a practice challenge through June when my course starts, which is something that anyone can do, by the way, um, which is just painting as a practice for a month. And I'm going to do watercolour for that month and just really let myself sink into it because it's so therapeutic. Yeah, well, as I mentioned earlier, I was coming out of this period of burnout and exhaustion and working with watercolour is one of the ways that I was able to keep up my creativity and and heal 
during that process. So it's always a medium that I come back to. Like I'll leave it for a little while, but then I come back and I find it very soothing. And I love to use watercolour in unpredictable ways. And I often use it very saturated compared to what other watercolour artists do. So I squeeze it out of the tube. I don't add that much water. I get very bold colours with it. I like combining it with other supplies, like layering over the top with crayons and pastels and even, you know, bringing in acrylic paint and things. So I get my mixed media fix, but there's just something so magical about watercolour and the way that it puddles and pulls and granulates. And I often feel like it's, it does so much of the work for you because you can just slap a bit down and you walk away and you come back and you're like, wow, that's so pretty. Yeah. <laughs> Especially like those duotone Daniel yeah. Smith and the way that they dry. Like there's this whole alchemy that happens with the way that they're combining those pigments together that's so magical. And the other thing I love about it is you can't control it. Yes. You can. Well, I mean, that's the art of watercolour, isn't it? It's like to, but you can't, it, it is a medium that does have a bit of a mind of its own. So it's sort of, it feels like a bit more of a dance with the divine for me to be totally hippie about it. Like I feel like I'm creating but something else is creating itself almost. It's really quite magical and, um, yeah, I just love the process and I love how I feel after it. That's my favourite part. I feel sated like, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a different feeling to the big paintings which are really high energy. It's just different. Yeah, I definitely feel like I have different kind of materials for different moods and sometimes I really want that like creamy lushness of acrylic. But I will say that I feel like watercolour comes more naturally to me than acrylic painting, so it's kind of like my going home in a way, whereas I... Ah, oh, that's nice. Yeah, sometimes yeah. acrylic I find a little bit more challenging, takes me on a bit more of a twisty road <laughs> sometimes when I'm yeah. working. Uh, whereas, whereas for me, it's kind of the reverse. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just sort of mm. found that watercolor came very naturally to me, and it's it's just that medium that always makes me happy. It's very calming. Yeah, I always feel I always come out of it feeling very relaxed and at ease. And in my upcoming e-course, watercolor is a really big component of it. So it is a mixed media course, but it's primarily combining watercolour with other mediums. So watercolour and pens, pastels, stitching, all sorts of things, collage, but watercolour is there all the way through. So that's what I've been digging in deep with at the moment. Oh, it sounds so juicy, yeah, of course. Yeah. I want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds amazing. Yeah, it's a, it's been quite a big undertaking, uh, definitely much more involved than any of the courses that I've taken so far but we're we're really proud of how it's coming together and yeah I'm, I'm excited oh, you guys should be yeah <laughs> yeah I mean I haven't seen I've only seen I think there was just like a swatching one that you released a while back that I've seen but the quality of the filming and everything is just beautiful it looks fantastic in your new space this is the first course that we've created aside from the free course that we put out but this is be the first course from our new studio and we've really used the studio as an opportunity to invest in the filming side of things and Mm. try and take it up a notch I guess which is what I always try to do with any with any course 
And we I bet Richie's loving having a dedicated studio space so he can leave things set up and really perfect all of the lighting and everything. Yeah, if if you give him half a chance to talk about it, he'll talk about it for hours <laughs> <laughs> about the lights well, and I the do, setup. And <laughs> I do really, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do really appreciate that stuff because one of the things that I've done in my own studio as I've been settling into creating online content myself is setting it up in such a way that I have tables in places that can stay there to leave things set up. And I have a couple of studio lights in here as well that um, I use all the time actually just to make sure I've got good light that use in specific ways with filming. And it's a whole thing. Like if you've got a space that's set up ready to go all the time, that is such a huge part of the job already done. It takes an enormous amount of time to set things up Mm. properly. Yeah, that's that's another reason why we've been so happy since we moved into the studio space because it's created this whole another level of efficiency. So we are saving so much time because of the way that we're working compared to what we were when we were split across different spaces and we were breaking things down and setting things up again and and just not being in the same space. So we weren't communicating all the time because Richie would edit in an office. We had a office at a co-working place and then we had the studio at home and so we were kind of like spread out and then we moved in together and now we share a studio and we're collaborating a lot more and saving so much time so that's that's been a big one a big change in the last year Mm. yeah oh that's great I'm so glad to hear it's all streamlining for you. Yeah, it just takes time though, doesn't it? It's a, a it's a. It does. <laughs> just mm, little steps. It really does. Little steps, bit by bit, bit by bit, always improving, always evolving, always adapting. Yep. It sounds like a recipe for all good things. Absolutely. That <laughs> <laughs> sounds like sounds like life, doesn't it? <laughs> It does really. Like I, 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 it sounds like a very honest way of being. Actually, I really like it. I think it's um, the way to go. Just chip away and keep trying and new things, and you know, getting rid of things that don't work and seeing if you can improve on the things that do. It's it really is just the secret to success. I think is actually just doing the work gradually. Yeah, just taking one step at a time, improving all the time. And making mistakes as you go. <laughs> Absolutely. Just learning. Plenty of those. Learning from getting stuck in, <laughs> trying things out, figuring yeah. out what not to do. It's just as much a part of figuring yes. out what to do in all of this. It so is. Absolutely. Oh, it's been so nice to catch up with you again, Laura. It has. It's been brilliant talking to you. And as always, I've got lots of things that I'm going to take away from this conversation. I'm like a, I'm like a sponge. So whenever I chat to anyone, I, I soak it all up and have all these little light bulb moments that happen for weeks afterwards. I'll be like, that's something that Sue said. I'm going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So nice. So hopefully people, I feel like that all the time. Hopefully we've been able to share a few ideas that people who are listening will be able to put into place or test out and try out and see if it works for them. Oh, I hope so. I love sharing sharing on through the podcast. It's such a beautiful way to connect with people and to just share the things that you're learning along the way. It just makes the whole thing more meaningful, doesn't it, to be able to pass along some of that 
hard-won wisdom. <laughs> sometimes it's wisdom, sometimes I don't know what it is, but <laughs> hopefully there's more wisdom than not. <laughs> I'm just remembering how when we chatted on my podcast, you hadn't actually released your podcast yet, but it was something that you were working on. So it's... it's I know. It's so, this is episode 28. Yeah. I can't believe it. It's so, it just has flown. It's so brilliant to be able to chat to you again and talk about what has happened since then and how how things have evolved we'll have to do it again we will <laughs> I love catching up with you Good. there's always so much gold there well you have an absolutely beautiful day and yeah I look forward to chatting with you again sometime down the track me too and I just wanted to wish you all the best with your course it's it's open for pre-registration now isn't it starting in June it is yeah. Yes, it starts on the 1st of June, so it's still open for pre-registration until the 31st of May. I'm offering 20% off, and that's with Practice 20 at the checkout. So people can go and check that out if they want to over at susannethercottestudio.com forward slash online dash classes. It's a lot there, but um, I'll – and you should tell us about yours as well, Laura. Please tell us about mixed media. Have you opened up registration or are you at that stage yet? No. So for this course, it's a bit different to my others. I am opening up registration for a limited time only. And Ooh. I will be announcing it very soon when that date will be. So it is one that people do need to keep an eye on because it will only be available for a limited time. The course is called Modern Mixed Media and you can pop your name on the list so that you get all the details when it opens for registration if you head on over to laurahornart.com forward slash modern mixed media. And that's where you can sign uh, up. It sounds so beautiful. I can't wait to see what it looks like. I'm on your list. It will be a six, six to seven week course. So it's a big one, lots of juicy stuff in it. So I'm very excited about it and I'll be drip feeding bits and pieces about it over on my Instagram over the next few weeks as we finish off the last few bits and pieces and pull it all together. Oh, well, good luck with that whole process. I know it's a big one, but I know you guys are going to produce something amazing. Well, thanks, Susan. You have a lovely day and we'll chat again soon. You too, Laura. See you later. Yeah. Bye. Bye. You can always see more of my art over at susanethercote.com and if you're interested in learning from me or checking out the podcast notes, you can find those over on susannethercotestudio.com. I love hearing your comments and feedback, so feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, then why not snap a screenshot and share it in your Instagram stories. Be sure to tag me at susan.nethercote so I can say hi. And if you've got a great idea for a future podcast episode or know someone who you think I should interview, then pop on over to susannethercottestudio.com forward slash podcast, hit the button in the header image to shoot me an email. Catch you next time.